and three, two, one. Welcome to The Peaceful Truth, the podcast where we talk about everything from women empowerment, feminism, and everything in between. You are joined by your host, Kenzie Meekbeck. Thank you everyone for tuning in for yet another week. Just as a quick reminder, in 2020, we have switched to Monday episodes, so tune in Monday mornings um, to get your week started with a little feminist kick um, and to get your uh, empowerment for the week to feel like an empowered, strong female or an empowered, strong male feminist. So um, I really appreciate everyone tuning in. With it being 2020, it is a big election year. It has been four years since the 2016 presidential election. So within this year, I had mentioned a few episodes ago in episode 110, I wanted to do a few related uh, voting related episodes to get us hyped up to exercise our right to vote. Uh, I think it's very important to always keep in mind uh, registering and as well as getting to those polls or filling out the vote and mailing it in because we fought for the right to vote. It is a privilege, it is an honor, and it is a way to be an active participant in our country. And I think that you can't really complain if you didn't vote, as well as I feel like it's something that we shouldn't waste because a lot of people don't have this opportunity and it is a way to express our freedom and so on and so forth. So within that theme, uh, I wanted to do a second part to the episode uh, 110, which was the episode began and in a previous episode, I spoke on the beginning of the suffragist movement, which was the Seneca Falls Convention. And a hundred years ago, the 19th Amendment was ratified, which enfranchised women and gave them the right to vote. So with it being a hundred years later in a presidential year, I thought it would be appropriate as well as it being a feminist podcast for us to discuss the suffragist movement. So again, go check out episode 110 for the first part of this. Um, But in that episode, I also highlighted a suffragist, uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Um, So in this episode, I'll talk about the movement again and focus on what happened in actually the 20th century in the United States that further led to the women's right to vote. So starting off, I always like to cite where I get my info from. A lot of this information is from womenshistory.org or womenhistory.org and go check it out. It has a lot of good uh, information over there. So again, following up on my early women's rights suffragist movement, um, the early movement was uh, circling petitions and lobbying Congress to get an amendment passed to enfranchise women. So in these early women empowerment movements, a mass women's suffrage movement began because they came to the realization that if they wanted reformation or reformation, they needed the right to vote. And all of this, again, was largely kicked off starting with the Seneca Falls Convention. So that's a little context to what led up to what I'm going to be talking about today. So in the early 20th century, two women's groups uh, argued for women's suffrage. That was the National American Woman Suffrage Association, which was led by Carrie Chapman Catt, and the National Women's Party was headed up by Alice Paul. So these two 
groups were largely um, responsible for us getting this right to vote and this amendment being passed. So I appreciate and I think it's important for us to reflect and thank our past women who came before us and our past feminists who came before us to get us to where we are today and inspire us to move forward and to learn from them and what they did. So the first organization was considered more moderate than the second. They did campaigns in the individual states while also lobbying the president and Congress to pass an amendment. Their membership was in the millions. Again, this was the National American Women Suffrage Association. While the second group, NWP, was considered more militant, um, I didn't see anything within the website that was like extreme, but maybe back in the day it was considered militant. Um, but I just think they were exercising their freedom of speech and arguing for the right to vote. Anyway, that included picketing outside the White House. And again, I guess that's mildly more radical than going state to state. But anyway, the combined efforts of the two groups led to the 19th Amendment being ratified 100 years ago. And in this episode, I wanted to highlight Alice Paul because she was the leader for NWP, that second more militant, quote unquote, organization. So again, this comes from the womenshistory.org website and the article on Paul uh, is edited by Dr. Deborah Michaels. So I want to give credit where credit is due. So again, Paul's activism began actually at an early age. Her father was a Quaker, and her parents actually embraced gender equality and education for women. And I'm sure back in uh, the early 20th century, that's pretty radical of a thought to have. So that's pretty dope that those were her parents. It's pretty lucky. Um, and her mother, who was a also a suffragist, brought Paul when she was a child with her to different women's suffragists meetings or maybe just when she was a little older but either way her mother brought her along and kind of taught her the way so Paul got her degree in biology and she also attended Columbia for her master's in sociology I'm sure all of this is rare to be a female and also kind of taboo because you're supposed to kind of be settling down I'm sure very early at this point so she's breaking all the rules by focusing on her studies And from her master's, she actually became a doctor. So her name is Dr. Alice Paul. And she got her PhD. And she went to England, though, in between getting her PhD and her master's and joined the women's suffrage efforts over there, where she learned a lot of these picketing efforts and hunger strike tactics. Um, So she later joined the NAWSA, which is that first organization I talked about. But she wanted to lobby to Congress for an amendment instead of going by state-by-state efforts. So she began her own group, the NWP. Again, she was considered radical and, I guess, militant. But she marched with 8,000 women down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington from the Capitol to the White House before the inauguration of the president in 1913. They had banners and floats. Um, And there she and other women met with President Wilson after his inauguration. And when they met with him, he said it wasn't time for the amendment. Very convenient. Uh, Don't know why he didn't think it was time. They didn't really elaborate on that. But she began from there focusing on her lobbying efforts with Congress. 
Then for 18 months, they picketed in front of the White House. 18 months. I'm sure there were some cold days, some hot days, some intense days. Apparently, they had verbal and physical attacks from spectators, and they actually got arrested, including Paul, for obstructing traffic as well. And while she went to jail, she continued uh, and learned from her studies and from what she studied over in England from the suffrage efforts there, and she began a hunger strike while from jail. And when she was in jail, doctors tried to force feed her and threatened to put her in an insane asylum, which I'm sure the conditions weren't great then. And there were a lot of stereotypes about women um, being crazy. I think if they were militant or defiant, they were considered uh, kind of crazy back then uh, based on what I've studied. And just like different jargon associated with that was very negative if you were kind of combative back then as a female. So she really went against the grain. Um, so the treatment of her when she was on her sh- hunger strike ac- actually hit the newspapers. And then the public actually began to sympathize with the movement. And then later in 1918, so five years after they met with the president, President Wilson actually changed his support. Um, again, in the past, He said it wasn't time for the amendment, and he did change his support after all of her efforts and after both of those two organizations' efforts, but I'm sure Paul played a big role. And two years later, the Senate followed, and now 100 years later, we're able to vote in this next 2020 election. So I thought those stories were really cool and a good way to wrap the first episode that I discussed the Seneca Falls Convention and with it being 2020 and 100 years later, I just encourage you to be an active participant, pay attention who um, you're able to elect in the different debates, do your research, find the candidate that you think will be great and really exercise your vote here in 2020 so uh, that we get a president that I feel like will further amplify uh, the women's movement and women empowerment. Um, And you can change your fate in the projection of this country. I feel like in the past few years, as we've continued movements similar to the suffrage movement, like um, International Women's Day and also the annual Women's March uh, in January, I think it's always, it's been powerful in the Me Too movement in the past few years has shown that efforts like this do make a change. I know there's not necessarily been a law, but I feel like society has changed and women's voices have been heard finally when we were too afraid and uh, shamed and um, rightfully so put in a, not rightfully so, but we were put in a box and we were rightfully so scared to speak out because there was threatening and, um, just it was a shameful thing to happen and now the second resurgence and a movement has come about or an additional movement women's movement has come about with the me too movement and i think things like this if we follow it in our uh, sisters steps from in the past that we can um, continue to make change and make them proud and do something really powerful. So I hope this kicked off your week in an uplifting, motivating way. Uh, Maybe it inspired you to continue being a kick-ass female this week. 
Uh, I always like to wrap my episodes with something I'm looking forward to. This week, hmm, what am I looking forward to? I've been actually really getting into recipes and getting into dinner and like really playing with flavors. And I think I'm pretty pumped to do that some more this week. Um, I know that's kind of low key, but again, one of my resolutions was to find something more fun and lighthearted that doesn't necessarily have to advance my career that I enjoy and just advance doing something that I like that I think is fun. So that's what I'm looking forward to this week. I hope that you think of something that's the highlight of your week that you want to check off and really work toward or just have fun and look forward to. So I appreciate everyone tuning in and I'll see you next Monday. Have a great day. Bye.